Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Deb has tears, I don't. Well, I, I, I probably do a little bit. Yeah, I'm crying on the inside. That's, that's where I cry and dance and do, do everything, really, on the inside. I'm an introvert. That's how it works. But I echo Deb's uh, sentiments and uh, it's so good to be back. I want to thank you for the love that you showered on the Laliva family. It makes me incredibly, uh, I don't know if proud's the right word, but I'll use it in this moment to see the way you've rallied around the family. And, um, you know, it's uh, just a testament to the strength of community here. And so thank you for that. If I can just as a father in the faith, express my appreciation for your loving upon them. And the next weeks and months, uh, don't forget them. I know you won't, but uh, continue to pour out the love on them. Thank you for that. Uh, Thank you for embracing the Edwards. Uh, I know, why wouldn't you? But uh, thank you for embracing this awesome family and uh, getting behind them. And uh, that's Again, thank you as a father in the faith. I just thank you that you're navigating this transition as well as you have. And uh, this morning, as I was thinking and prepping and uh, considering the message, I thought to myself, I wonder if I could uh, ring Brody or text Brody and say, could we do that hymn that we did at the um, funeral, How Great Thou Art? And then I thought, probably not my place to do that, so I won't. But you did it anyway. (laughs) How good is that? So thank you. Thank you, team. You can grab a seat. And uh, I I, I was really excited when I saw the series that we're going to be doing, that we're doing in the midst of um, the Psalms and my soul and and how that relates to worship and praise. And um, I get to... um, uh, one of the, the, the psalm that I've been coming out of today is Psalm 121. And Psalm 121 is one of uh, 15 what they call songs of ascent. And it's all about the journey of the Christian faith. And for those of you who've been around for a while, you know how I love a good journey. I love a good sojourn. I love a good uh, pilgrimage. And uh, I've been on this Christian pilgrimage for 46 years. And uh, it's a bit of an in-joke when we first came down here because I kind of reinforced the concept of the journey and the pilgrimage. And uh, it's, a, it's a great journey. And this psalm that we're going to be looking at today uh, is, is really going to put some shape to what that will look like in terms of the strength of your soul and worshipping from a place of the depth of what God is put inside of you. So as we open up the word this morning, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this extraordinary community of believers in this moment of time. And we just, uh, we thank you for your word that will come alive for us as we open it today. Lord, that you would remove the obstacles to hearing what you want to say to us. Thank you, God, that the same power that breathed the inspiration into these words all those years ago will breathe something fresh inside of each and every one of us, that we would leave this place today with our soul strong in you. And so we commit to you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have a look at Psalm 121. We're going to read it out of the message. 
I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from mountains? No, my strength comes from God, who made heaven and earth and mountains. And it goes on to say, He won't let you stumble. Your guardian God won't fall asleep. Not on your life. Israel's guardian will never doze or sleep. I find that amazing, just that thought. Because remember when um, Elijah was calling down fire and he sort of taunted the prophets of Baal and said, where's your God? Is he asleep, is he? Our God never sleeps, never falls asleep. Not on your life. God's your guardian, right at your side to protect you, shielding you from sunstroke, sheltering you from moonstroke. God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. Another way of saying that, he guards your, He watches over your coming in and your going out. Most of us, half the time, don't even realize whether we're coming or going. So it's actually helpful that God guards us, whether we're coming or going or in a circle or whatever we're doing, that he guards over us. He guards us from every evil. And uh, he guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now. He guards you always. I love that truth and the reality of that. And so we're going to just uh, share a few thoughts out of that this morning. So most scholars consider that this was a psalm that was a reflection of the pilgrimage that, they, that the Jewish people would make uh, to Jerusalem. And they would make the pilgrimage from the far reaches of the kingdom up to Jerusalem maybe three times a year. And so... Uh, and it was a strenuous and arg- arduous trek. The terrain was rock- rocky and hilly, and many cr- pilgrims would be travelling from lowland plains up the hills where Jerusalem was located. For protection from bandits and wild animals, people throughout history have looked to higher sources of power. Once every high hill, once upon a time, back in the days, these high hills had a different deity and people worshipping on these hills and praying to celestial objects like the sun and the moon. This was what were, So these people were making this pilgrimage to church, to the temple. I'll tell you what, there is a lot of distraction on our pilgrimage to the church, whether it be on a week-by-week basis or fortnight-by-fortnight, but there are a lot of things that, that seek to distract us from our pilgrimage to the house of God, just to a thought to keep in mind. You know, I love, when we come back to Canberra, one of the things that we love is just the mountains that are surrounding us. And everywhere you go, you see the mountains. And in winter, the snow comes on the mountains. And then, you know, in summer, the fire comes on the mountains. And so, you know, we we love the mountain. It gives you a sense. It's like we're lifting up our eyes to these mountains around us. Up in the Tweed, we don't, we're not surrounded by mountains. We have one mountain at the centre, and it's called Mount Warning. And uh, you can basically see it from anywhere in the Tweed, a bit like Telstra Tower here in Canberra. You can see it from anywhere in Canberra, right? And so Mount Warning is the first piece of land that the sun hits in Australia every day. But it was, um, I think it was James Cook that named it Mount Warning. But that is... The mountain that we see up there. And so when we look around us and we, we look to mountains, we kind of, there's a few things that happen. And I want to just have a, uh, uh, throw through a few thoughts out around what we're, 
what we're talking about here. I haven't preached since the 1st of May, so this could be a train wreck. I'm just saying, I'm just putting it out there. So if I stumble over my words, please forgive me. So the first thought is, where are we looking? If we're talking about help for our soul, where, where are we looking for that help? What's our perspective? Um, Eugene Peterson in his book, Every Step and Arrival, makes this statement. In the first millennium BC, what did a person see when he lifted up his eyes to the hills? He saw Baal worship. Baal the Canaanite god was worshipped on the hilltops and every hill that amounted to anything in Palestine had a shrine to Baal that was frequented by the local populace. And the worship was particularly vile kind, centering around cult prostitution and involving self-inflicted wounds. So these believers are making a pilgrimage to the church, to the house of God, and they've got all these distractions around them. The question for you and I is, what are we looking at? What's our perspective? Because I tend to think, well, maybe we don't see bar worship on top of the mountains around Canberra at the moment. But there are a lot of things that seek to distract our, our perspective and our focus. You know, uh, you know I kind of, um, when I think about some of the distractions, I think about, you know, where, where do we look to for our help? You know, are we looking to the high places for our help? Are we looking to the government, to the medical system? Are we looking to academia? What are we looking for for our help? Are we looking to our superannuation policy? Are we looking to the financial system? What are we looking to for our help? Are we looking to psychologists and counsellors for our help? I mean, none of these things are, are wrong in themselves, but are they the th thing that are actually distracting us from what, what God's perspective wants us to be? Are, are we looking to, our, to sport or to career or to law and justice? Are we looking to alternative therapies? Are we looking to things that are a distraction from what God is wanting us to be looking at. We look at it's technology, as helpful as it is in many situations. Is that just a distraction? All of these things can be distractions as you and I are on our pilgrimage to the place of God for us. And so we've got to ask ourselves, do these things, are these things, are these things elevated above what God is in our life? So are the, the hills of these things higher than the God who made the hills. God has, God has instituted governments and law and order and all of these sorts of things. They're not wrong in and of themselves, but they are not the source or the answer. God is. And so don't let ourselves get distracted by looking at these other things. We can't worship God because these things are an obstruction to, what, uh, to our perception. And, and it becomes a very important consideration to be making you know have we allowed our financial situation to kind of um, distract from the truth and the reality that God is our provider have we allowed sickness to become such a distraction that we lose the truth that God is our healer and so we, we need to actually uh, get a hold of um, what it is to worship God at this place of our soul. Because when we come out of worshipping in our soul, which is what we were doing today so beautifully, that place of soul worship. You know, I, I love, if you talk to uh, Ken Hubert, what, what it, 
Thank you for leading us in communion so uh, beautifully and graciously this morning, Ken. But one of the things that, there's lots of things we love about Ken. One of the things I love about Ken is that um, uh, he works in uh, law and has been in law for 30-something years here in, 40-something years here in Canberra and has seen some pretty, and family law I think is his specialty and so been involved in some pretty horrific situations. And for Ken to come to the house of God without fail every time and opportunity he can. He says it becomes a transcendent experience for him because it takes him out of the muck of day-to-day life and takes him, places him on top of the mountain where he can worship God without obstruction. And I love that. I love that about Ken, but I love that about the reality of worship. It takes us out of the day-to-day grit and grind. So where are we looking um, where, where is our help coming from? Don't put our trust in those things. Put our, let our perspective be one of help from God. The second thought then is, what, uh, what are we seeing? So where are we looking? The second thing is, what are we seeing? And so where does the nourishment for our soul come from? This psalm, this, uh, this psalm of ascent is often... Uh, considered to be talking about the providence of God, how he watches over our life. He guards our coming in and our going out. He guards us against evil. All of these sorts of things that we read about is talking about the providence of God over our lives. And that providence has nothing to do with our, um, you know, how good we've been or you know, the deeds we've done. It comes out of the place of a soul looking towards God behind everything else that's seeking to obstruct and obscure it. This, this psalm highlights... What is known as God's providence, that is, that the God who created the universe is involved in our everyday lives and to keep us and watch over us, not by preventing us from experiencing trouble, but by equipping us with what we need to withstand it and grow through it. So trouble will come. The Bible tells us that. Jesus predicts it. James tells us that. Trouble will come. But we, when we live out of a soul connected to God in worship, we are able to see past that trouble, see past that, situa- that circumstance and grow through it. So as Christians today, we can know that involvement even more intimately through Jesus Christ. He becomes our advocate. And so for us to be walking with Jesus Christ t- takes us out of that sense. And so... What we are seeing is God at work in our lives. The thing about a journey, the thing about life, is that uh, it's full of transitions. The psalm talks about it, our coming and our going. Life's about transitions. And you've heard me say it many times before that, um, you know, as a parent, we're always navigating transitions for our kids. You know, as an individual, we're just navigating transitions in our own lives. As a church community, we've been navigating a transition of leadership. As a society, we've been navigating transition foisted upon us through COVID and these sorts of things. Life is about navigating transitions. But God is our guardian over our coming out and our going in. He helps us. I think that navigating transitions is an incredible life skill to help us on the journey through. And so, uh, you know, we think that we're safe in our routine and things are going smoothly, but it's the in-between times. 
It's the in-between times when uncertainty sets in. And it's like in those transitional moments, we've got to be anchored deep in our soul. And so we look to the creator of the mountains to sustain us through these transitional seasons, whether we're coming or going or going around in circles. This is an example of the Hebrew language using a pair of opposites to express a totality. When it's talking about coming and going, it's talking about the whole gamut of what's going on in our world. And so that expresses the totality of life that God is watching over, is guardian over. And so it's not just the transition that God watches over, but it's all the in-betweens as well. And so whether we're at home or school or work or away or whatever you do, wherever you go, you are safe because God is with you. And because of that, it is well with your soul and our soul can sing and praise and worship God. And we can see beyond the mountaintops that, that seek to distract us and engage with him. So the third thought then is how are we engaging? It's the journey of our soul. Our soul is on a, on a, on a journey and, a, and this pilgrimage. And so it's, it's a sense of uh, engagement that comes out of it. And my heart and passion would be for each and every one of us to be engaging with God on this journey, this sojourn, this, this experience that we're walking through together. So how are we engaging? And so um, the thing about this, this psalm is that uh, in the progress of this ascent, um, they were singing, they would be singing these psalms on the way to Jerusalem. So you and I, I have, a sense, have this invitation to be singing on the way to the house of God every day in the midst of what's going on. And we can see all this stuff in the world going around us, but we focused on getting to the house of God and we're engaging. And so we sing and, um, you know, that it talks about leaving a culture of lives and lies and deception behind, and, and, and we're singing about traveling towards God's house, you know, coming to this place. And so this gathering here, a bigger gathering, we sit in rows, but on the alternate weeks, we sit in circles, and we face each other, and we, 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 we eyeball each other, and we love each other, and we pray for each other. We don't get the opportunity so much in this context, in this bigger context, but we actually get the opportunity to lift our eyes in this moment. It was a transcendent experience that we had in worship before, and so to engage in that is actually so, so nourishing to our soul. And I, want to, I don't know where you are or where you're at, but I want to um, invite you on a journey. I want to invite you to be part of the journey. Uh, and, you know, the, it, and maybe you've lost sight. Maybe you've lost sight of the creator of the mountains. Maybe it's, you've been distracted by all the things that are going on in the mountains. But I want to encourage you to engage uh, with God in this journey. I read a book recently... And it was called Invitation to a Journey. And there's a couple of thoughts out of that that I'll just share with you as we draw to a close. The, and if we think about the discipleship journey, so it, it's far more than just the salvation experience. It's how we outwork our day-to-day -day living and our day-to-day -day life. The definition of spiritual formation is the process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. We are on this journey not only for ourselves, but for other people, for the sake of others. 
And so for you, for you here today, you are on a journey. Sure, you benefit when your soul is well, but it's for the sake of others around you. And so the invitation on this journey is, is, um, is an invitation for formation to grow in the things of God. As we kind of trudge our way and fight through every obstacle that would seek to hold us back from getting into the place and the presence of God, we, we actually are growing in that. We grow in that as we walk in the things of God. You know, the, the, uh, each and every one of us have unique and individual personalities. And so we have this freedom. We're invited on this journey with the personality that we've been given to keep going towards the things of God. And so as we think about how we do that, we bring the disciplines into our life, the spiritual disciplines of the reading of the word, of prayer, of meditation, of silence and solitude, of fasting and praying and all of these sorts of things. And I know, you know, one of the things I love about our church here is that it's a church that embraces these kind of disciplines as hard as they are to actually grow in the things of God. And that's part of the journey. We engage in this way. And then also an incredibly important part of the journey is the companions that we have along the way. And so when we look around a, a, a crowd like this, we're companions on the way. And when we gather in our house churches, we're companions along the way. And so, you know, the invitation to the journey is an incredible uh, opportunity to grow in the things of God as we move forward. And so... I, I love the reality that this perspective shift allows us to be engaging with God in a fresh, new way. And it, just a quote from uh, Robert Mulholland, who wrote that book, Invitation to a Journey, says, The end game of the spiritual journey is radical trust in and abandonment to God. First of all, as it relates to trusting God for our salvation, and then learning how to abandon ourselves to God in specific areas of our lives. And so as we go on this journey, on this pilgrimage of ascent, there's something singing on the inside of us as we go towards this place of radical trust and abandonment in God. And I think, you know, that such an important part of that is the songs that we sing along the way. When we sing songs like How Great Thou Art, we're singing from a place deep down here. It's not just words of a song like 10 green bottles or something like that. It's, it's like, no, this is something deep inside of us that is coming out and that is an expression beyond where we're at. And so the journey of faith then, the path to spiritual wholeness, lies in our increasingly faithful response to the one whose purpose shapes our path, whose grace redeems our detours, whose power liberates us from the crippling bondages of our previous journey, and whose transforming presence meets us at each turn in our road. Holistic spirituality is a pilgrimage of deepening responsiveness to God's control of our life and being. A deepening responsiveness. Can I invite you to stand this morning? And I'm just wondering, could we do that, how great thou art again, if I could get the rest of the team up? And maybe as we um, just spend a few moments with these words and this refrain and song, 
Can I get you to, I'll just ask you, invite you to close your eyes in this moment. And have you allowed some distractions, some th- things that have been happening on the mountaintops around your world, have they distracted you from the truth and the reality of who God is? That he is a guardian of your life and your world and your circumstances? That, that he... Our help doesn't come from the mountains. It comes from the creator of the mountains. So that if, if you feel that maybe you've allowed yourself to be drawn into you know, the, the mountains of society and see them as the answer, set that aside. Focus your eyes and your heart and your soul on God and what he has done and provided for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.